Welcome. This is your host, Corey, and I'm joined by our co-host, Bo Butler. And I'm really excited about today's topic because we're going to dig into the most powerful tool in a manager's toolbox. And probably, Bo, whenever I, I share this with you and, and share this with our audience, they may take a step back to begin with because they may not be thinking about this particular tool. But I will tell you that from experience, that if you leverage this tool, if you learn to um, not neglect it, not cancel it, if you learn to use it to your advantage, it can unlock a lot of other activities that you want to do as a manager and can help eliminate a lot of chaos or noise that you may feel as a manager. So I'm excited to share this today about what the a manager's most powerful tool is. And the manager's most powerful tool is a one-on-one -on -one meeting. Now, Bo, did you think I was going to say a meeting could be the most powerful tool in a manager's toolbox? I was hoping you'd say some kind of cool software, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I get it, because when we think of meetings, uh, generally we don't have a, a warm emotion inside of us, right? Because meetings, for the most part, they take up a, a lot of our time, and they may not be the most effective or efficient time that we spend during the day. But the one-on-one -on -one meeting is different. And if used appropriately, it can be the most powerful tool in a manager's toolbox. And we will We'll talk about the reasons why, but Bo, I wanted to ask you a question first, and those out there listening can, can think along with this, is think back to a time in your career where you had a manager, and that manager did not have a consistent one-on-one -on -one with you. So think back to a time where a manager did not have a consistent one-on-one -on -one with you. How did you feel? Like, how did you feel whenever that wasn't happening and it could be emotions or it could be just generally how did you feel about your job, your, your role within the organization, your relationship with your manager? What are some of the things you felt whenever your manager was not having a one-on-one -on -one with you? I think because I'm pretty cocky initially, I probably liked it. I, I felt some uh, space to do my thing. But in the situation you're referring to where I had a manager that wasn't good at doing that consistently, or even with managers who were good at it, but they maybe got out of the practice and we had several weeks that would go by without a one-on-one. -on -one. Inevitably what happens, I start to feel uh, confused and disconnected from what I'm really supposed to be doing and I'm lacking direction. I usually start spinning my wheels on things that aren't the highest priority. Um, so it usually led to confusion, disconnection. Then I start to feel sometimes misunderstood because, because there is no connection there's an assessment being made about me or what I'm doing from afar, but it's not really aware of why I'm doing it or what I'm struggling with. Yeah, I think those are, are exactly how I felt too. You feel frustrated. Uh, you can feel misaligned, misinformed. You can feel not valued. I know at times I could feel, well, I must not be important uh, as an associate or as an employee if my manager's not investing time in me. There could be a lack of trust. You don't know where you stand with your manager and how you're doing on performance. I like what you just said around, you don't know if you're working on the high priority items that align with what's a priority for your manager. And so those are a lot of emotions that we feel. And so just to turn it a little bit, um, as a manager, if we are not having a one-on-one -on -one with our team, that is exactly how they feel about us. And that's exactly how they feel about um, themselves in the context of, of what they're doing. And so the one-on-one -on -one can help eliminate and mitigate a lot of those emotions that you just talked about. And so what I want to do is just talk through why the one-on-one -on -one meeting is the most powerful tool, talk about what happens when you don't have a one-on-one, -on -one, and then we can talk about the structure uh, of a one-on-one -on -one that, that managers can take back to their teams and start to employ 
that will help them leverage the power of a tool like this. So a few reasons why the 101 is the most powerful tool is the first is that it helps you as a manager connect below the line and build relational currency. And when, what I mean by below the line is, I don't know both if you've been in a situation where, of course you have, but a situation where the relationship is just surface. It's surfacey. Um, all you talk about are the tactics or the, the work itself um, or other aspects that are pretty much above the line and what you would probably think is, is standard to talk about. Um, in a business context. But the one-on-one -on -one meeting allows you to go deeper to be able to build relational currency. And we're going we to talk about that in greater detail in a future podcast. But Bo, when you think about the word currency, what do you, what do you think about? Like, what is, what is currency? What is what's it used for? What's the value of it? Uh, I'd say currency is what I am using to make life work in every area. I need money to pay bills, and I need currency relationally to uh, operate in an effective way with teammates if I'm a peer or definitely if I'm a manager I need some trust there I need some relational capital yeah so yeah exactly so currency is if you want to go to the the local gas station and buy a Snickers bar Are you a Snickers guy I hate Snickers okay. sorry what's, what's your what's yours I'm more of like a Twizzler guy Twizzler how about a bang energy drink a monster energy drink yeah <laughs> So if you're going to go to the local gas station to buy a Monster energy, energy drink, the currency that you have is going to be what you exchange for something that is of value for you. So the Monster energy drink is valuable to you, so you're going to use currency to exchange to be able to get that. And uh, if you have currency, that's great. If you don't, it's not great because you won't get your energy drink and you'll be cranky all day and it won't be fun to be around you. But if you think about relationships, it's the same way to where you invest, you invest, you invest in the relational bank account of the people that you're leading so that whenever it comes time to withdraw from that account, you have something to withdraw from. And I like the way I heard you say at one, at one point, Bo, maybe you can elaborate on this, is that it's a whole lot easier or you don't really think about um, a withdrawal of $50 if you have $10,000 in your bank account. So maybe expound on that idea a little bit for our people around relational currency. Yeah, I would say like um, to the degree that there is a lot of investment, the withdrawal matters more or less. So if I, like you said, if I have a lot of money in my bank account, $50 purchase does not rattle me. Um, but if I have $200, $50 now really affects me. I notice it, I feel it. So I think when I have lots of investment relationally, lots of relational capital with a friend or a coworker or someone I'm managing, a small critique or a small conversation about something that is uh, maybe less than fun, it doesn't have a major impact on the relationship or their perspective or their feelings towards me as a manager or the way that we work following that conversation. But when I have very little relational investment or capital, even the smallest question is perceived maybe negatively when you didn't even mean it that way. Yes. But, you know, a fairly small withdrawal of $1 and you only got two is now half the money. Yeah. And we're going to talk more about this because relational currency is extremely important to have as a leader. But your one-on-one -on -one meeting is a space that's designed to help you build relational currency. So I know that if you're my manager, Bo, and we're meeting together every week, and you are following the structure that we're going to talk about in just a few minutes, and you are going below the line with me, those are the type of activities that are going to help me build a relationship with you 
and you with me to where trust is developed. And ultimately, there's currency being deposited into that account that could be withdrawn in, in the future whenever it needs to be. So one is that it helps us connect below the line in order to build relational currency. The second thing that one-on-one does is that it helps you align to make sure you and your team are working on the right priorities. And you mentioned this earlier, is that if I'm having a one-on-one every week with my team and I'm asking them questions around what's important that they're working on or what's their highest priority item, I can assess is that really the highest priority item that our team should be working on. And if I'm doing it weekly, then I can help course correct in small amounts, right? Right. Versus finding out in two months that you've been working on the wrong thing for two months. At that point, it becomes a bigger issue. Right. So our one-on-one helps ensure that. It helps keep problems small. So if I'm meeting with you every week, then that's not a lot of time for a problem to become big. Mm-hmm. But if I'm skipping it, if I'm canceling my one-on-one, then small problems can become big problems quickly. And I wouldn't be able to resolve them in a timely manner or pivot as needed. It helps me as a manager understand the actions I can take to support you. So if I'm meeting with you every week asking you how I can help you, then I'm learning from you what is meaningful that I can do that has an impact on helping you be successful as a member of my team. It helps give a context for bi-directional feedback, and we're going to talk more about feedback in a future podcast as well. But it helps give a context for you to share with me and for me to share with you and to create an environment where you start to build the habit that this is a a safe context to be able to have that type of conversation. And so if you're consistently doing that week in and week out, your your teammates are going to become more comfortable receiving and sharing feedback with you as a result of um, the trust that you're building through the context of the frequency and the consistency and the stability of meeting with them. The last thing I'll mention is that it helps provide a rhythm in your organization so that your team knows they have a consistent context for this every week. And what I've seen happen where managers don't have one-on-ones is that there's an underlying chaos within the team because they don't have a place that's on the calendar where they know they're going to get to connect with you. And so you may have more uh, walk-ups. You may have more fires. You may have more um, emotional type escalated interactions as a result of the fact that there is no place. You haven't created the space for people to come and communicate with you, and it's consistent. Right. They know every week that they're coming to meet with you, Bo, and they know every week they're going to talk about these certain topics. I think Martin Luther King Jr., I think, is when he said that riots are the voice of the unheard, um, which is, you know, that's taking place in a different context, but when people don't feel like they have a, a way to have their voice heard, they eventually find ways to express themselves. And I think in a business context, there's other ways that, outburst comes there's other ways that tension starts to rise but when they don't feel heard and they don't have access to uh, a way to make sure they are heard they're going to find other ways usually yeah. not helpful no that that is yeah absolutely absolutely spot on and so your one-on-one is going to help you de-escalate that type of situation so that those are some reasons why a one-on-one is your most powerful tool if leveraged correctly what is the best way to structure it so that you're accomplishing those things? Is there only one way? Is there a couple different ways? What do you suggest when it comes to structure? Yeah, so I think generally there are three components that are important to um, address during the 101. And what what and this is guidance, right? Within the within these these components, 
and guidelines, there's a lot of, of freedom to be able to bring in what makes sense for you as a manager. But I think the three things are you should spend time making a relational connection, number one. And we'll talk about that in these in detail in a second. You need to spend time making a relational connection. You need to spend some time aligning on priorities and support. And you need to spend some time creating an environment for bi-directional feedback. So to me, those are the three components that need to be in place for this to be effective with a one-on-one. I think that probably what happens in a lot of cases in manager one-on-ones is that, let's say it's 30 minutes, which is what we would recommend is 30 minutes once a week, is that that 30 minutes becomes a a work-related conversation, right? It's all about my projects. It's all about my tasks. It's all about the tyranny of the urgent. And probably things like relational connection, priority and support alignment and bi-directional feedback gets pushed to the side. Or managers just don't know how to do this. And so that's why this tool, this tool helps. But I would say those are the three, three components that you'd want to have in place to help you leverage the one-on-one to be a tool of power for you. So Corey, you asked me the question uh, of my experience when I didn't have a consistent one-on-one. How do you think your team feels when you're not having a consistent one-on-one? So I think back to some of the things you even shared is that uh, the relational bank account is empty. So your team could feel devalued. Your team could feel misaligned and uninformed could be another thing that they feel. You as a manager could get surprised, which I don't know about you, but as a a manager, I don't like surprises. I don't even like surprises, period, in my personal life, but I don't like to get surprised. But if you're not doing this, then guess what? Tomorrow morning, you could have someone walk up and drop a big bomb on your desk that uh, is a surprise to you, but could have been talked about and surfaced during a one-on-one meeting if you were having these. Your team may not feel supported. Could be another way. You don't get the feedback that you need as a manager to be able to, to do what you need to do to be an effective manager, but also you don't have an environment to where you can let people know where they stand regarding their performance. So people are gonna potentially question, like, what do you think about me? And am I performing well or not? I mean, they're going to fill that gap with probably not positive thoughts about themselves. And then you're going to feel disjointed as an organization and misaligned. And you're probably going to have some unneeded inefficiencies and chaos in your organization as a result of of some of these things that we've talked about. But those are some top of mind uh, ways that your team can feel whenever you don't have a consistent one-on-one. So could you, you said you were going to unpack a little bit more of the three aspects but what's the first one again? Yeah. So some questions that you can ask around these is, so relational connection is number one. And so if you think about the structure of a one-on-one being 30 minutes every week, then uh, you could spend 10 minutes connecting relationally. And what this would look like is asking the person genu- genuinely, how are they doing? Or it could be following up on previous questions you asked or things that are going on in their lives. So if you're if you knew over the weekend they took their son camping, you can ask about, Hey, how did the camping trip go? But it really, it, it goes below the line, right? To show that you care and that you have listened, that you have empathy and that you um, you care for the people that you're, you're working with. So those are questions they can ask. You can ask a question like what's on your mind. And that gives you an, that gives them an invitation and you an indication of what's top of mind for them. And it may be something that is work related or there may be something that's top of mind that's personal but it's information that'll be valuable for you as you start to think about the outcomes of this meeting, which is how can you effectively support this person? So I would start with some of those questions around relational connection, priority and support, asking questions like what's your most important task of the week? 
and let them answer. And that's going to give you an indication of are we aligned or not. Uh, yeah. um, is what you think is important what I think is important. You can talk about things like goals or objectives and key results. You can ask them the question of, hey, how can I help you achieve success this week? And listen to what they say because they're going to give you an indication of what is meaningful to them as far as action you can take. Or you can ask them, what meaningful action can I help you with this week that will drive your success? And they're probably, after time, they'll get used to that question, and they'll come and they'll let you know. And it'll be more accurate than uh, you guessing the action that you can take. And so the third part was bidirectional feedback, and this is really just a space to create where you can, you can redirect priorities, you can provide feedback, you can share information, you can follow up on actions from previous meetings. And I think the important question to ask here is to go first and ask what feedback do they have for you as a manager and give them the space to answer that. Now, I will say this. If you've never asked that question before, then don't be surprised if you get a deer in the headlights awkward look when you ask it, right? Because probably they may not feel safe or they may not be thinking that way but if you keep asking this question every week, at some point, you're going to get some nuggets from them around feedback that they have for you. And then it's also you being able to give feedback for them. And you're going to create this environment of expectation that this is a space where we're going to give each other feedback. We're going to invite that. And so it's going to allow you to more effectively lead your team as a result of following a structure like this. And these are general, general guidelines that you know, you know your team, you know your business, and so you can adjust, but I think those are the three things that are that are major to cover as part of a, an effective one-on-one. So let's just say someone starts trying to implement a one-on-one as a manager, maybe for the first time, and they're going to try to use your three uh, elements. What, in your experience, what is maybe some of the uh, typical or most frequent kind of landmines that or stumbling blocks that people who are first trying to implement this run into? that maybe you could go ahead and warn them. Right. I think, I think the key here is to keep doing it. Don't try it once. Try it for a month. Try it for two months. Because, like I said, if, if, you're, if your team, if they're not used to hearing or answering these questions, then you're probably going to get a couple of things. You may get um, silence. You may get an awkward situation. Or you may get someone who can unload information on you. <laughs> right. Uh, because they've been waiting for that opportunity to share feedback with you. And thanks for asking. Right. right. Depends on the personality of the people on your team. But I think um, you have to be persistent because what if it's me, right? If it's me and you're asking me these questions for the first time, I, in the back of my mind, are trying to answer the question, can I trust you? Can I trust you to be honest with you about what's top of mind or what's going on in my life that's impacting my work or what feedback I may have for you or what can you do to help me? I may be hesitant to answer that question until I know that you're sincere and consistent with this. And so I think the key to me is you need to be, you need to be consistent and persistent with doing this and give it a shot and try it over a period of time. And my experience has been people start to warm up, warm up to these questions. And then you start to really get below the surface and get what's valuable so that you can make sure that you and your team are focused on the right things. So that, that's what I think. What about you? I mean, you, when you've had one-on-ones and, or you've seen um, situations like this, what do you think are some of the, the landmines that people may run into by, by shifting to do something like this? I think the temptation I feel most often is to squeeze out the personal investment time. Um, 
and you start to believe, well, this week, there's just a lot of stuff this week. So I'm going to shorten what I typically give 10 minutes for, and I'm shortening it to five. And then you get you get in the habit where now the tyranny, the urgent dictates that one-on-one more than your commitment to those values. And then now it's just a matter of time before sometimes I might just not at all address any personal. So now we've completely lost the personal investment, and this has just become another meeting for me to download and discuss all work oriented. So now I'm, I'm now I'm losing the capital relationally again. So I think I've found myself slip into that pattern before. Um, and so it's hard to discipline yourself to say, I'm, if I have to schedule another meeting outside of this to, t- to discuss something that's urgent, then I will, because I'm not going to let it take away the relational investment time. That's a part of this. Right. And I think, I think it's really, Getting, getting managers to understand that this this works, right? This works. And I was thinking of some studies around employee engagement, and there's there's a rule that's come out of it called the 10-6-2 rule. And basically what that is is that through research, they found that every 10% of improvement in, in engagement of, a, of an associate, right? Every time you can improve 10% of their commitment and their engagement, it increases the employee's effort by 6%. Every 6% improvement increases the performance of the company or the employee by 2%. And so these may seem like small percentages, but when you put that in, in terms of how big your company is and the aggregation of, of these marginal gains together from people, those are big leaps. Yeah, wow. And so this, what we're talking about is driving engagement. And I think there's a, a different way to, to look at this, right? And the way I mean, what I mean by that is, if I invest into my employee and they are engaged, they feel valued, they feel clear on priorities, they know where they stand from a performance perspective, they know I support them, they see me following up and following through, driving meaningful action, advocating for them, doing things that they want and need me to do, then they're going to be a more engaged associate or employee. And the performance of my team and my ability to deliver the business results that I'm accountable for is going to increase. As a result. So it's getting people to change the mental model to see that 10 minutes of relational investment a week is not a lot. Right. But the value that you get from it is order of magnitudes and exponentially larger than that 10 minutes you would invest in them. So stick to it is really is really the message. Be consistent and persistent with your one on one. So is is uh, is there a template that you have that people can use? Where can they find that? Yep. So on the podcast notes, we'll post a link to uh, a template, a one-on-one template, which contains what we've talked about today, the structure itself, some other questions answered, like how frequent should I have a one-on-one, who should I have a one-on-one with? So we have a one-pager that really is a a template. And feel free to print it out, take it to your one-on-one and ask questions. You can modify and personalize the questions you ask, but stay with it. So we'll provide that tool as part of the podcast notes for everybody to use to be able to follow the structure.